0: Welcome everybody to the next episode of Buckingstock News Podcast powered by Two Bulls. First things first, we want to wish everybody luck uh, competing this weekend, wherever you may be. There's a lot of fraternity events uh, this week coming up. Uh, But kicking things off, like always, uh, our event calendar presented by Two Bulls Feeds Fortified with SQM Minerals. Uh, August 10th, Claremore, Oklahoma. There's going to be a limited fraternity as well as the open fraternity uh, that's going to be held in conjunction with the ABBI Classic with uh, the return of the Unleash the B-Series in Tulsa August 10th as well. August 10th, Lexington, North Carolina, Yearling and Fraternity Backyard Buckers. August 17th, uh, the ABBI heads back to Decatur, Texas, uh, the second event of the Fall Yearland Series with all of the other events as well. August 17th, Hick- Hinkley, Minnesota, Yearling Fraternity, Cowgirls, and Open Fraternity. August 24th, Idaho Falls, Idaho, uh, co-sanctioned with the WSBBA and ABBI. August 30th, 31st, um the Archdale, North Carolina, PBR Drome and Tiffany Davis's ranch there, uh as well as the Derby Classic with the uh, Cowgirls Fraternity and Regular Fraternity. August 31st, Belton, Texas Classic, uh with at the Velocity PBR there. Uh, August 31st, Granbury, Texas, Texas Fraternity League at Bo Mills Place. August 31st, Cologne, South Dakota. Uh, Midwest Bucking Bull Association event and rounding out August, uh, th- the month of August, August 31st, Freedom, Oklahoma, uh, a junior fraternity, Cowgirls Limited, regular fraternity, and a uh, derby. Um, lots of events coming up. Um, uh, as always, the heat of the deal, everyone's kind of trying to. Make their push for the ABBI World Finals in Las Vegas in whichever age division that was. Uh we just closed out the 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 ABBI junior fraternity program this year, 2019. Uh your year-end champion I believe was odd three E Dark Knight, a Payson Parker, and DH Cattle. Uh splitting the win with him there at the finals though was uh Seventy-one twenty-three, I believe was his number, Amen Amigo, Mia Cruz, and Martinez Bucking Bulls. That bull had a really good trip. Congrats to all the youth kids out there uh, with their bulls and, and the future of the Bucking Bull industry. Uh, but, but this week's episode on our podcast, uh, something a little different, um, not a whole lot of story time in this in this podcast episode, but, but more or less for, for people out there that are wanting to learn what the Bucking Bull industry is about, what it entails, how it started, um hayden shaw came on with me and and we discussed from ground level where it started how you can get involved uh so for people out there that that are already involved in the industry if you know somebody that wants to just become a fan of bucking bulls of our industry or or you know somebody that may be interested in uh investing in in the bucking bull industry feel free to share this episode with any of them uh there's a lot of good information in this episode and hopefully you enjoy, and maybe you learn something as well, uh, but enjoy my conversation with Hayden Shaw.
1: Okay. We have
0: Mr. Damon Carson on the line with us here uh, with repurposed materials. Uh, Damon, you guys have a lot of different products to offer, and especially within the agriculture industry, and the, the buck and bull industry falls into that category. Um, some things that people may not think of, Uh, I was just listening to a deal about old billboard vinyl that that you guys resell back to the public for for ditch liners and and hay tarps, uh, things of such. What are some other products that that you guys sell that that can be utilized within the buck and bull agriculture industry?
2: Yeah, Kyle, thanks. Um, Yeah, we call ourselves an industrial thrift store, so all kinds of cast-offs of one industry that can get repurposed. Um, On the farm and ranch, you you referenced the advertising billboard vinyls, great hay tarps. Another popular one is used conveyor belt, rubber conveyor belt from the mining industry. They use them as windbreaks, chute liners, uh, floor matting in barns. A fun one is street sweeper brushes from the street departments that get repurposed as cattle scratchers or horse scratchers. So uh, steel cable, lots of industries, elevator companies that retire wire rope steel cable that... Uh, gets repurposed as corral fencing et cetera Kyle
1: so
0: the 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 conveyor belt that's actually interesting because uh at these events the the lead ups to the buck and shoots everyone likes them to be sheeted and and at home in in people's arenas at home uh sheet sheet metal can get pretty pricey when you're trying to sheet forty foot of of lead up uh so so a a different route could be this conveyor belt that would make the, the lead-ups completely solid for these bucking arenas through the conveyor belt that, that you're selling.
2: Yeah, it's selling off a lot of conveyor belt. Just sold a truckload to a cattleman out in Arizona. Um, we have a lot of it. We have five yards around the country. We have a yard in Fort Worth, a yard in Denver, kind of in respective bull countries, also Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Chicago, but um, have lots of conveyor belting in both Fort Worth and Denver right now.
0: So if if a person was interested in in some conveyor
2: belting or or uh, advertisement
0: vinyl for for hay tarps or a cable for a crowd, how how can they get in touch with with you or one of your sales representatives to to purchase these items?
2: Yeah, uh, easiest thing is repurposed materials. Just Google repurposed materials will come up. Uh, phone numbers three zero three three two one fourteen seventy one three zero three. Three, two, one,
0: fourteen, seventy-one. awesome so if, if anybody's wanting to look at some of these materials for for your guys' ranch and, and outfit there's the contact information but something else i want to touch on briefly here uh you you you're recently uh, a bull owner you've you've purchased some bulls and and are involved in in the bull industry now
2: uh yeah i'm kind of uh over the last year i've gotten into it um Enjoying it a heck of a lot, um, learning a lot, and certainly have a lot to learn. But I've been listening to your podcast and learning from all these guys that have been in the industry for for years, sometimes decades, and it's it's really helped my learning curve for sure.
0: So what what are some things that that maybe you've you've learned in a, in a quick amount of time, as
2: well as uh,
0: how's your experience been so far, and, and what are some of your bulls that that you have going down the road?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that's been interesting about this is, uh, as a business person, the, the bull game has been a, a hard game to figure out. I have to be honest. I've been studying it about a year, talking to a lot of different people, going to events, and it's it's interesting. It's just it's just kind of a hard game to figure out. Um, bought our first big bull, Blue Crush, uh, with Cord McCoy here a few weeks ago. So that's
0: he had a great out at Cheyenne. Yeah, then he had a.
2: He had a better out at uh, Big Sky on Thursday, so Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, um I'm glad I'm um excited to see the, the, the future of, of your involvement in, in the buck and bull industry and, and guys if you're interested in any any materials, uh can they can they look on your website to kind of see a, a, a wide variety of what else you may offer as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um like I said repurpose materials Inc., dot com is the website but yeah you can order conveyor belt right online you can order these billboard vinyls and we have a host of other things we have big tent tops a lot of things for shade for out in the pastures out in the corrals Um, we have a lot of street lights surplus street lights from the big utility companies if you need to light up your barn or your uh, arena or whatever yeah, just it's interesting all the things that one industry is throwing away is surplus obsolete to them that can get a second life and save some dollars for farmers and ranchers awesome well well
0: damon we, we appreciate uh you coming on and talking with us about repurposed materials and and also your your involvement in the bull business so hayden you're from from east texas probably hotter than crap down there right now uh have you have you been getting any bulls buck
3: lately or, is, or are you staying inside <laughs> well you know we, we try to stay inside as much as possible because <laughs> I am in the buck and bull business, you know. But uh, anyhow, no, we, uh, it's, you know, heat index is 105, 110. We've had a little little bit of a cool cool snap here lately. Got into, uh, you know, got got down into the low 90s, upper 80s. But uh, generally, we're, we're fortunate enough to have lights here at uh, my folks' place. We do everything. And I'll start catching bulls about 8 p.m. at night. And we'll start bucking them about nine, and we'll buck them till midnight or one in the morning, just because it it's easier on the cattle, temperature wise, and it's easier on me and everybody else.
0: So yeah, no no kidding. So no kidding. we've
3: been getting it done, but it's been at awkward hours.
0: <laughs> awkward hours. So so besides the bull deal, you you've been in the bull deal since you were ten, twelve, maybe even younger than that. But you come from a rodeo background. Your your mom rodeoed. Your dad fought bulls. Uh, the, the rodeo western lifestyle was kind of destined for you
3: right right it was and uh that's one thing we've um uh, i mean my whole life we've been involved in it you know and and uh my dad he he rode bulls rode broncs you know back in the uh 60s and 70s and went to national high school finals and everything like that at the get-go then uh realized he couldn't uh hang with the best of the best back then so he started fighting bulls, went on to go to the national finals uh, in protection, and then uh, Wrangler bull fights, went to finals in the Wrangler bull fights and all that as well. And my mom showed horses her whole life growing up, and then uh, her and dad got married, I think, in 73, and then she started rodeoing with him, doing specialty acts. So she had trick horses and helped dad with his acts and everything, so it's kind of been a, kind of been a way of life for us for, you know, My parents, uh, full-time for 50-plus years, you know, involved with rodeo, and then uh, Mm
1: -hmm. so it
3: it has been, I guess you'd say, a family affair. And I never rode bulls or anything or rode calves or steers or nothing. You know, I was always, uh, I loved outdoors, loved hunting, fishing, anything involved with animals and outdoor life, but I always loved bucking bulls. And ever since I was little bitty, you know, I've been a, a fan of the American bucking bull before it was even known as the American duck and boy. you know, so it's a little different swing of things for me, I guess you'd say.
0: Before we kind of get into
3: the, the purpose of this episode on, on the podcast, uh,
0: you are a very, very avid duck hunter. Anybody that knows you
3: knows come fall time. You're a duck hunter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We, uh, I got a really good group of guys back home and, uh, some of my buddies, uh, Mark Cowden, he's partners with me on some bulls in the buck and bull business, and Jason Richardson, another one of my buddies that's partners with me on a few bulls here and there. But them two guys, they uh, grew up uh, roping steers. They roped steers outstanding, and and uh, we, we're all Western-oriented, you know. So come fall, that's a good time for us guys to get off and go. Uh, after the PBR finals is kind of when I take off and start rolling, and I'll kind of hunt to the end of January. And some of the other boys that hunt with us uh, – Toby Radley, bull rider, NFR bull rider, Dustin Bokeh, NFR bull rider, them two boys, they hunt with us a bunch as well. So our schedules kind of work good. We rodeo all year long. In between the NFR and PBR finals, we get to hunt, and on over the holidays we get to hunt. But uh, that is that is one of my true passions is waterfowling. So, yeah, come come wintertime, I'm kind of hard to track down. <laughs>
1: so
3: basically the kind of the purpose of this episode
0: is is to – explain exactly what the Bucking Bull business is and and the breed of the American Bucking Bull. Uh we you and I both were, were in in Cheyenne for, for the Lone Star Bucking Bull Genetics and Western Sports Foundation Yearling Bull sale and we saw um a lot of activity up there. Uh the sale was great, bulls sold good. Got some new new people involved in the business. But one thing that, that I did realize myself being up there is that there was people super intrigued by our business, but they didn't they didn't know as to little of what half interest meant. They they didn't know what a, a yearling bucking bull was. You know they're used to seeing the bulls that buck during the rodeo, and and that's just the the extent of a bucking bull that they know. And there's so much more to our industry. And and I guess I don't
3: really have a timeline to go by uh, for this episode, but just kind of want to talk to you about about the industry. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing, like you say, uh, sale was great. Atmosphere was great. Cheyenne Frontier Days, you know, did everything they could to help us and help promote what we were were doing. But in a sense, we are new to the Western world. You know, the first ever Bucking Bull for charity with a dummy was uh, the gold standard in Weatherford, Bob Tallman's event, RSR, Rodeo Stock Registry. In 2001, so in a sense, we're not even 20 years into the Futurity game yet. We're really not even 10 years into what I would consider the competitive era of Mm -hmm. the Futurity game. And I don't want to get off chasing rabbits here, but I want to kind of explain myself is for people that weren't around back in the beginning, we're talking about four events a year maybe. The, the the first year of the Gold Standard, I believe there was only one event. The next year was the Gold Standard. Marty Fouch, Glenn Carlson, and them had Texas Breeders Classic. Uh, Jerry Nelson would have a bull selling for charity at Winnie in the spring. Then Jim McClain's events come along in Duncan with two bulls' productions. And things started growing. RSR changed hands to the ABBI in 2004. Things started Moving. The working parts started going together, and really, I'm going to say up until about 2011, 12-ish, really when things went to taking off, in a sense, due to ABBI, NBBA, National Bucking Bull Association, and UBBI, United Bucking Bulls Incorporated, those three associations were putting on numerous events. So, we were then able to haul our bulls and buck our bulls more than just at the few big events throughout the year and uh that's kind of developed us into where we are today as far as potentially bucking a two year old every weekend throughout the year and then the yearling game has come along, so we're always evolving and becoming better but then again, the numerous of the numerous events spread out everywhere might also be what kind of took us back a step as well uh, and being spread out a little bit too much. I really don't have an answer one way or the other for it, but uh, I kind of got off the subject of the Cheyenne Frontier Days and all that. But that's one thing. We are a new – we're a new
0: genre. It's just crazy – sorry to butt in just a little bit, but no, when you ahead. start putting it together, you know, start start talking about when it started, when, when events really took off, uh guys that that are in the business every day it seems like it may almost seem like forever uh but when you put it that way the 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 competition game is extremely new compared to to rodeo in
3: general you when you look at those rodeo fans when you look at the Cheyenne committee let's say they go to one rodeo a year Cheyenne Frontier Days potentially go to Cody potentially go to Laramie you know something or uh, something along those lines what what you have to realize is is we do it every weekend. We do it twenty four seven, three sixty five. They may go to one or two rodeos a year. So uh in in six years they may be seeing six, eight, ten purfs of a rodeo, thirty purse of a rodeo max, we see potentially thirty purse of a rodeo in three months, or a futurity or bull riding. So for the outside people to be able to get involved and learn more, we have somehow got to present it and get it in front of them more to educate them more. You know, they come to Shan Frontier Days nine days a year, and other than that, they're blind to what we do as we aren't on TV. We don't have a lot of live streams. We don't have our own YouTube channel, you know, things like that. And we're doing better promoting it, and Stock News has helped by leaps and bounds, but I think there's other ways for everybody that's in the buck and bill business and wants to see it grow to do their part in promoting the breed as a whole, not only promoting the events and promoting what goes on at Border Town and McLean's events and the ABBI events, but if we could ever get everybody on the same page from PBR contractors, bull team contractors, TRCA contractors, to remember the essence of the breed and promote the breed to the general public, especially the rural ag-oriented general public, I feel like we could get along better and possibly quicker by just trying to uh, do do stuff ourselves to educate the people, not only depend on Buckingham News or ABBI to educate the people.
0: So for people
3: listening that, that, that may not know, because
0: I'm sure everybody involved gets this question, uh, when you keep re- referring to the breed of the American Bucking Bull, uh, that that is exactly what you mean. The 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 American Bucking Bull Inc. (ABBI) is the the Bucking Bull Registry, and and these these cattle aren't made up of of a, a Longhorn and, and a Brammer Bull per se. That they, they are a Bucking Bull. That is the breed that that you're referring to. Right,
3: and I'm not educated on. Uh, cattle breed rather than ours, but uh I get asked all the time, what ca what breed are they? And I tell them, you know, we have our own registry. They're American they're an American bucking bull. They are a registered breed. Uh we're so far back in generations now from what Barnby did in California with Christensen brothers and then whoever ended up with Oscar and then Kish's program, Nakarada's program, what was going on in Texas and Oklahoma with the whole uh plumber Harlan uh white park thing. There's there's so many things that have been happening forever that people aren't informed about mm-hmm. that it is truly a breed. And I know you look at longhorn cattle, they're red, they're black, they're yellow, they're gray, they're spotted, but everybody gets it. They're longhorns. Uh, Cory, any cattle, I think they can be red, black, gray, maybe some spots. I don't know enough about it or paints, whatever. But that's what we are. We I'm not going to say we're a pure breed because I don't know the specs on it. But what I'm going to say is is there's a lot of cattle that are deep enough gene pools now that we should get some recognition nationally as a legitimate breed. And, and I'm not offended by it in any way, but I but I do kind of feel like there's times when other people are like, oh, yeah, they're just bucking bull people or whatever. Well, come walk in our shoes and see what we do to be the best that we can. You know, I, I think we get overlooked sometimes and uh, don't get quite the respect we deserve. And, and it's not us. It's the animal. You know, we're proud of our animal. We're coaching the team, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, where our animals have come is just night and day from where they were 10, 20, 30 years ago.
0: So starting from the, the very beginning, people listening, people that want to learn, they, they may share this episode. Somebody may hear it that has no idea. When, when we talk about the competition, uh side of this industry growing and, and being promoted with the breed of cattle and you say the yearling game that's that's going to be for bulls obviously of one years old they compete with a dummy um two-year-old two fraternity would be two-year-old bulls also competing with a dummy that kind of yep. seems to be correct me if i'm wrong maybe the most popular age division that that, that
3: number wise at these events
1: uh um, as far as
3: the two-year-olds two right now you say I I agree. Everything was kind of pushed. And one thing I want to throw out real quick. The the way that uh, we go by birth year, you know, some people may not know that. If a calf's born December 25th of 2019, as of 2020, January 1, he is a one-year-old. He's considered a one-year-old. So the majority of us try to calve early in the year, early in January, February, March, April. Some parts of the country can't due to the weather. But it's birth year on the competition years, not, ca- you know, not specific days or months or whatever. But, yeah, exactly. the two-year-old game is kind of what everything was originally centered around when Bob Tallman came up with the dream that's now become a reality, you know. and um, And his vision is what got us to where we are today, along with a lot of other moving parts. But the two-year-old game – has been the premier game for a long time with the dummy and it's still probably the biggest and the hottest but if you look at entries the yearling game is going to get more entries than the two year old is right now the yearling faturities and the reasoning for that is is a a buck and bull only has so many faturity trips in him some may have six good trips in him some may have 60 good trips in them some may have 160 in them. I haven't found that one yet. But <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is, is people start bucking them earlier and earlier. So our yearling game right now at the Faturities is kind of what I see as the hottest thing going due to the calves are bucking. They can win them some money, but then they may play out by their two year old exactly. year. And me and you talked about this the other day. We were, me and Kyle were at Cody Lostro's event and, uh, and I don't even remember, he was in Colorado, I don't even remember the specific town, Rogan, at a, at a tremendous, tremendous place there in Rogan. And I told Kyle, I said, um, I used to think that the guy who could get his yearlings bucking quickest and uh, get his yearlings bucking quick and get them firing and doing their job, I thought, man, that's a really, really good bull guy. And I, this has been my thinking for a long time now. And now that I sit back and I watch what's happening, I'm kind of like the guy that can keep his two-year-old bucking until November of his two-year-old year when he's a coming three-year-old. And then when you say November, goal, that's, that's when, when that's, the finals is. Correct. That's the ABBI World Finals in Las Vegas. And that's where I see a true futurity trainer, futurity hauler, stock contractor, whatever you want to call it, the guy that can keep his bull bucking with that dummy through the ABBI World Finals, I almost think that that takes more talent than getting a 14-month-old calf to buck on the road. That's a little bit deep for some people that may be new, but uh but I think there's a lot of people that'll understand that, just due to the fact of a two-year-old bull's gaining weight, he's getting bigger, he's muscling up, the dummy may not bother him as much as far as weight wise he gets used to bucking with that dummy and kind of gets stale um, with the dummy the guy that can keep that bull bucking through the world finals of his two year old year I think he got you a pretty good bull man
1: mm-hmm.
3: I, I can
0: agree and and it's just go moving forward from the yearlings and the two year olds both considered a maturity they buck with a 15 pound mechanical dummy uh, rides them for four seconds and at the ABBI events there's five judges. They judge them on 1 to 25, uh, and then it gets averaged, I guess you could say, um, for, for a, a total score of 1 to a 100. Uh, and then the three-year-olds would be the Derby class. Uh, that's the first year of their competition career they start getting live riders put on them. Um, right. And, and I think that's maybe, maybe a transition stage, and Bulls are still growing. They're still maturing. Uh, they're getting used to the process of a 15-pound dummy to a 120-pound guy uh, and then moving up to their four-year-old year, which essentially is their last year of competition, uh, the Classics, and that's when you see the, the Classic World Finals held in conjunction with uh, two rounds of the PBR World Finals. Right, right, and that's
3: that's probably the toughest, I feel, competition. There's mm-hmm. so much at there's so much on the line at stake there. Uh, it is the best four year olds in the world, you know, um, and when I mean they come from Canada too, you know, it's the best bulls in North America, and I, I think the classic is the toughest title to win. Your bull riders it's, play a factor in that, exactly. Uh, it it is the best
0: bull riders in the world, and the four year old classics. There there's classic events as you stated earlier. There's events all over the country every weekend. Uh but but predominantly the, the big classics are held in conjunction with the Unleash the Beast series events, uh the televised events. These these four year olds, essentially still still young bulls, are getting tried by the top thirty five guys going. That's right. That's
3: right. And um it's 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 lights out. I think the the, the toughest to be competitive in. And it and it's probably is the most prestigious. Uh, I'm a futurity guy. I like the yearlings and two-year-olds more than the rider deal uh, just because bull riders are hard to come by these days. It's hard to get them mm-hmm. bulls prepped to go. It's hard to find bull riders. You know, if you go to border town, the, the rider game's a whole different ball game than the Futurity game. I lean more towards the faturity game. But uh, last year we had a couple bulls that, that made the classic finals of uh, Bob Wismat that we were hauling and uh you know 12b bar hellfire i think he'd come out like number eight bull at the classic finals and i've been in business my whole life and that's the first classic bull i've ever had i've ever took to the classic finals was last year and Mm -hmm. why say that i took i took some of the classic finals when it was uh when it was at south point and uh and then at the orleans before that but that was just at a touring pro you know it wasn't the pbr finals with the best bull riders in the world so uh so it it is a tough tough deal. And so and we,
1: I'm
3: I'm cool. gonna
0: just play in like like I don't know what if if I was wanting to to invest in the and bull business, get in from brand new. I want to get in where I have all all opportunities from a yearling to a four year old, per, per, hoping that he that he plays plays that long, correct? And right. And. I, I don't want to take care of the bull. I have no means to do that, but I want to enjoy the ride. I want to be involved. Where does the guy start? What What are the programs that that these bulls are eligible to play for? What uh, what's am I buying all the bull? Am I buying part of a bull? Let's uh, Let's start from from ground level and, and walk a person through that. At the end of this conversation, they feel like they may be ready to jump on board in, in our game.
3: Right. This is where
0: it gets tricky. There's a hundred uh, different ways to go about it, I understand. But right. But through, through the ABBI events and, and, and maybe some sales, there's obviously private treaty. But if you don't know anybody, you're going to have to go. You have to find out somehow how to get a bull. So as as in detail as we can go, but, but as basic in a straight line as we can go as well. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I, I can tell you this.
3: This is... Um, it hard, it's hard to go in a direction without mentioning the D&H Cattle Company sales, you know, uh HD Page, Dylan, uh Gerald Buck, John Page Bland, they do a great job of promoting their sales, putting their sales on. They are ABBI sanctioned sales. A lot of great cattle come out of those sales. Um the Breeders Connection has online sales with nate morrison brandon stewart has elite breeder sales those are kind of the main avenues to buy cattle online lone star Bucking bulls had an abbi sanctioned sale the other day at Shine frontier days abbi has a sale at las vegas nevada at the abbi and pbr world finals for yearland bulls to go on and compete which will be here before we know it in 90 days uh-huh. but um uh, this is something that I've talked to a lot of people about before, um, and I guess the answer to answer your question would be: contact the ABBI, do your research, uh, look at the result sheets, look at who is winning, get on Facebook, do you some research, get on Instagram, do you some research, look at what programs are winning, you know, talk to the people, don't be afraid to give them a call and visit with them. And everyone make the right in this contract.
0: business is 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 pretty pretty helpful, and and super, super easy to talk to for the most part.
3: That's right. Nobody needs to be afraid of anybody. Uh, it's not like you're trying to get a hold of, uh, you know, the, the Yankees or the Red Sox or, or the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you ain't trying to get a hold of Jerry Jones. Everybody will pick up their phone and talk to you. Nobody's too good for anybody. You know, we're we're all regular people that are more than willing to do whatever for whoever to help grow the business and help, and help take care of people. And uh, nobody, I mean, Chad Berger, he blows and goes on TV more than anybody, and anybody can give Chad a call and he'll pick up his phone. You know, so uh, we are here as a whole to grow our industry and help the Buck and bull business to become more. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, do you need me to go anything else on that? Do you have any other ideas on that before I throw this other kink in uh, here? Go go, throw your kink in there and and, and we'll keep
0: moving forward.
3: Okay. I've uh, I've talked to numerous people about it. I've kind of approached Jay Doherty, the ABBI's uh, CEO, president, whatever whatever the title would be. Um, the director of what we do would pretty much be what it is. And uh, I've approached him a little bit. I haven't really got to sit down and talk to him too serious about it. But one thing I would like to see for the breeders, and this is for me and you and the rest of the breeders, I would like to see a certified breeder program or a certified trainer program so where the ABBI you submit um i guess you would submit an application to the ABBI to become a certified trainer the ABBI would then evaluate you to see if you're eligible to be a certified trainer if you're a certified trainer then the ABBI would put you on their website as a certified trainer you could promote yourself as a certified trainer or a certified contractor, however you want to word it. And it may be something that costs money to get into the program, uh, somewhere along those lines. Not just everybody will do it or if everybody's eligible. But if we were to come up with certified contractors or certified trainers, then when people do search the American Buck and Bull, or they are on Facebook or they all are on Instagram and they're doing their research, they can say, okay, that's a certified trainer. Okay, that that's my thinking on this is how to kind of help steer people in the right direction. At least, at end, least steer somebody. I'm going to pause you there.
0: Just, just maybe like like the horse racing deal where those guys have have a card, and and correct. if someone does search the the American Bucking and Bull and a list of trainers or contractors, breeders, whichever it may be, uh, they're like, you know what? I want to learn a little more. There's contact info at their fingertips to to at least call and ask questions.
3: Call and ask questions, ways to be involved, you know. Um, it would. I'm not going to say it's like we'd be having a PRCA card because it's not. Anybody can still enter and be restricted, but it would just be kind of a group of breeders that the ABB, ABBI puts out there and says these are our certified trainers, these are our certified contractors. Kind of push them that way. To help the business grow, I'm not trying to get at the little guy by any means, because there's a lot of little guys that are very, very well eligible to be a certified contractor, certified trainer. Uh, it's not about money, it's not about the amount of cattle you have. To me, it's about your knowledge and the game and how you play the game. You know, so I think it's a good way to help grow the industry, and um, that that's just something that I would love to see. You know, mm-hmm. start happening and somewhat, somewhat, uh, us kind of all back to program. Exactly. So,
0: so kind of moving, moving on with our, with our somebody investing in our business, just, just say they, they, they fly to Las Vegas, they, they want to experience PBR World Finals and, and they come to the elite yearling bull sale and, and there's a bull in there that, that's, that's pretty to them by, by appearance. They don't know exactly what they're looking at. They're selling half interest in this bull. Uh,
3: when they buy half interest, what what does that mean? Okay, half interest, it, it works a lot of different ways depending on who you partner with. Moral of the story is you're buying 50% ownership in the bull. So you would own half of that bull with whoever the uh, seller would be. They buy and a lot of times it, it's done a lot of different ways. Some people charge X amount of dollars a month to haul the bull. Most of the people do charge monthly fee and then they you would pay a certain percentage of the trucking to go to and from the events and then you and the, your trainer or partner would then split the money that you make. And, and
0: the, the, the the partner, the the, the buyer of the fifty percent uh Nine times out of ten is responsible for
3: the entry fees at these events. That's right, the, and that that is 100% correct. The majority of the time, the partner does the new partner does pay the fees, and uh, that's one thing <laughs> that I'm kind of I, I don't want people to take this the wrong way because. If it wasn't for partners and customers and people doing business with me, I would not be where I was today, where I am today, nor would I even still be in the bull business if it wasn't for great partners. So the partners are there for a reason. They love it. We love it. Uh, we put out, you know, the work and the time and the effort, and they help pay the way, and they back us, and they get us on down the road, and that's what it takes to get the job done. Uh, but well, and Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: So so, with that when we're talking about fees and stuff we're we're usually talking uh, it's 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 minimal just for people that don't know anything uh the 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 percentage of the of the winnings varies from you know ten to thirty percent probably depending on who who has your bull and right. and your your monthly cost is probably in a ballpark of around three hundred dollars uh that, that's a, that's, that's a pretty solid figure on most you know to take care of your bull um and, and a lot of trainers they they split the hauling cost on, on the amount of bulls that's on the trailer I, I know that's a popular one um so so when when you're talking about monthly fees and 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 uh things of such like we're not we're not talking thousands and thousands of dollars it's, it is affordable when you get in it's it it is it is a risk and and it's a gamble but it's not a complete money pit uh, yeah. where where you don't have a chance because of your your overhead cost too much.
3: Right. The, the only way you get into thousands of dollars is with numerous numerous bulls. You know exactly. Uh, that that's that's how you get there. But like per head price, you know, it's going to vary by who you do business with and what's going on. But um, the the one thing that I kind of do want to take up for the trainers here because. It's like any it's like any other business, you know. There's a lot of time when people get their feelings hurt from a partnership or this and that and this and that, and that's just part of life. And the the older I get, the more I learn that. But taking up for a trainer or contractor here, I'll kind of get on my soapbox. When we take a bull in, you know, it is it's our place, it's our time, it's our effort, it's our blood, sweat, and tears. And I understand that people are putting up money, and I I'm not bashing on anybody at all either side but what people don't understand is and is whether it's from breaking a hot shot, getting a dummy repaired, bulls tearing up gates, bulls tearing up water troughs, new feed troughs, digging holes and having to put rock in gates, you know, tearing up your bucking chutes, you know, I mean trucks, trailers, equipment, sky's the limit. So
0: in it a, does take
3: a, it does take a a large
0: investment to to be able to handle these bulls and get up and down the road to these events, it's it's not something that's that's super easy that anybody can do. No, it's
3: not. And, and that's one thing. A lot of people, there's been so many times that I'd be out there soaking wet, dripping sweat, done got the piss hooked out of me, blood dripping off of me, and i think, man, you know what? I might rather have a real job and pay somebody else to do this junk. You know, I've been on I've been on that end of the spectrum uh, uh, plenty of times. But to make a partnership work, it's for the love of the game from both sides. You have to have a trainer, and a, or you have to have a trainer that is in it because they love it, and the money helps them to be able to do what they love for a living. And then you have to have a partner that loves it unconditionally as well. With with my waterfowling and the way I hunt, we don't guide hunts, and we spend a lot of money every year to be able to go and do what we love in the outdoor world. And I don't want any money back because I feel like if I start making – if I try to make money off of it, I feel like I'll lose some of my love for it. Like I have lost some of my love for the buck and bull business, truthfully, because the stress of having to make a living in the buck and bull business, that takes a lot of fun out of it. Mm-hmm. uh but but from partner that's kind of what i'm saying is i I love it and every partner i have right now absolutely has a passion and a love for the game as well and that's what makes it work from both ends you know so that that's just one tidbit of advice that i can give to people is uh, from from a trainer standpoint is find somebody that loves the game and and you'll go a long way
0: for sure and 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 then I guess we've kind of covered. You know, they know what half interest is. You can you can even buy a full interest calf, and again, send him to send him to a, a quote a trainer, a, a certified trainer, uh, maybe one day um, that that you that you can relate to personally. You guys hit it off, whatever the case may be. Uh, has a good resume, whatever it is, um, and and then you own a hundred percent of that bull. Uh, and, and again, the the monthly uh, training costs, hauling percentage, winning percentages, all play the same the same role. Um, and, and we could split off here uh, of a hundred different ways. Do you enter them in Colorado? Do you put them in in the the Yearland series, the the two year old series, the American Heritage? Um, and, and I'd like to, being that we're two, this split in the road uh, of of how many different ways you can go. Let's go over the different programs of the the yearling series, the two year old series. What the American Heritage is, because I I feel like I'll use Cheyenne again as an example. At the Frontier Days in that sale, they they were promoting the 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 Revolution, the American Heritage, the the fall series. But but I have a feeling that that a lot of people that are not involved, that's Chinese language to them. They they don't know right. that the American Heritage pays a hundred thousand.
3: Yeah.
0: That's they don't know that. Um, so with that being said, I'd like to go over a little bit of that. So again, for people listening that don't know what these programs are and, and the money that is up for grabs for these bulls, uh, maybe can learn and,
3: and be informed on what those are. Right. You know, uh, just to, we'll just kind of start out from the basics. You know, the first, the first big event, or I say as yearlings, uh, is going to, I think be the series these days is probably the yearling series. It's probably going to be your biggest payout. Uh, it pays $40,000. There's a series of three events. And the whoever wins the finals of those three events, I believe it pays forty grand. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's going to be in the ballpark of $40,000. And uh, the neat part about the series is, is going into the finals, going into that third event, there's a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket. The winners bracket is all bulls that have won money. They're still eligible to win 40,000. And then we call it the non-winners bracket, which is the losers bracket in a sense, is the bulls that have not won any money. So, at the end of the road, $40,000 payout for the bull for the set of bulls that has won money, and there's going to be a $40,000, you know, first place prize for the bulls that haven't won any money.
1: So, so you're talking about
3: Yeah, go ahead. In a nutshell, it, it levels the playing field
1: for right.
0: for those bulls that maybe haven't put it together yet, uh, are trying to mature in their brain, or or maybe yeah. have stumbled at events, or or whatever the case may be. It's it's an it's an even playing field. And to back up just a hair, uh, again ground level for for people trying trying to learn that to get in that series, I do believe costs fifteen hundred uh, to nominate your bull uh, to have a series spot.
1: Correct? That's right. That, that would
3: be a $1,500 buy-in, and then there is a few additional fees along the way that I'm not 100% certain on, but that would be your kind of individual event entries where you can win money back the same day, kind of jackpot at, money. And as
0: an example, at these events, there was like 140 yearlings entered uh, at Belton last weekend, the first uh, yearling series event. Um, I believe his number was 812 Hoochie Coochie, the Bucking and Fun Group, and Six Bar C. Uh, that bull was your your winner at series event number one, and and he win twenty three thousand. So yeah. So and that's and he's still eligible to win the the forty thousand dollar first place first place prize in the winners bracket. Much less what he can win
3: at event stop number two. That's right. That's right. Should be able to match the money at event stop number two. I would think should be able to get back close to twenty three thousand. Still be eligible for the forty thousand at the series finale. ABBI yearling for Charity Finals, I'm going to say is going to be in that forty fifty dollars $50,000 uh, pay window. What, I mean, I don't remember what in the show yeah. that won last year, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a good chunk of money. Then move on into the two-year-old year. Something very exciting that we have happening in beginning of the year uh, with ABBI is we're going to have a big event that's going to be a – 80. It's going to end up being a $50,000 added championship round with 100% payback, and uh, the the qualifier, the brackets kind of set up similar to the American. Uh, for those that are rodeo oriented, we're going to have the qualifier, which is going to be the uh, first event in Venita, Oklahoma, in uh, I believe it's going to be January of 2020. So the yearlings right now have a chance to compete in Venita. And we're going to take up to 200 bulls there. They're going to compete in Vanita. Then the championship round is going to be held in San Antonio at the National Cattlemen's Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention where there's going to be eight to 10,000 people that are all ag, rural, western oriented. And there is going to be a $80,000. It's actually going to be a $100,000 payout, but $80,000 will be paid in the championship round to the top 10 bulls. And then twenty thousand dollars will be paid out in the uh, consolation round for the bulls that aren't in the top ten. There'll be a twenty thousand dollar payday in there. So that's gonna that that event can potentially create over three hundred three hundred fifty thousand dollars and get us in front of the National Cattlemen's Association, which we all believe is a very very big opportunity because we are the American buck and Bull, but we are beef cattle as well uh a lot of our cattle end up back in the food chain a lot of them end up going back to sell barn at some point in their life because they are beef cattle in a sense so uh, a lot of cattle do get swapped and traded on in that way but uh back to events is that's going to be a big payout two-year-old series will be next year that is a big payout set up the same set up the same way as, as, as the, the yearland
0: series we we just walked through
3: correct so the same same exact scenario 40,000 to the winners bracket champion 40,000 to the non-winners bracket champion individual paydays probably be around the 20,000
0: 25,000
3: just just again for people not not uh
0: up uh, up to speed in in our industry um all, all these series events the, the non-winners bracket the losers bracket the regular season uh stops the, the they're they're paid out multiple holes. You, you don't have to win first to, to get that's a right. check. Obviously I believe the that's series best pays 20,
3: 20 spots, 20 places. First through 20th in that series, I think, will win a check. Mm-hmm. And then American Heritage, same way. American Heritage will be right around close to that $100,000 payout, and it pays 20 places as well. So it pays good on down the ladder. Um so exactly. I think last hole people here say you know hear people say as a as a,
0: a numbers comparison um, the entry fees for the American Heritage I believe are, are sixteen hundred dollars fifteen hundred right in there and and last hole this year twentieth place I believe paid uh, seventy eight hundred seventy five hundred so so even the win last hole uh, you well exceeded your your investment cost in that particular event. Right. Right. That's that's very true. And and then when we move to the to the three and four year old classes, um, I, I don't think there's there's any series, uh, but but the regular season events pay out extremely well and, and the, the world champion classic bull is, is eligible for for two hundred thousand, uh broke up into two different ways um at, at that particular event
3: being the world final. That's right. That's right. You're, and you can potentially win both, which I believe Hocus Pocus did last year as and, a and three-year-old as well. So he's eligible to come back this year. Uh, the finals champion gets $100,000. For for your finals champion, it does pay $100,000. And then your year-end champion, which is your bull with the highest average score on six outs throughout the year, plus their two outs at the finals in Las Vegas, Two outs in Vegas are mandatory. Those scores will go into that top 6 there They'll be your top six average throughout the year. Then you add your two scores from the finals.
1: So and if you eight, don't eight have four, two scores
3: four. at the finals and you get cut after the first round, if you don't make it back, you're not going to win that year in, no matter if you win in number one or not. But the finals will pay. The finals will pay 100000 The year in champion will pay 100000 And Hocus Pocus won both, so he had a $200,000 payday. And and as you said, uh, you can move them bulls up as three-year-olds to
0: the classic competition. Hocus Pocus potentially has a chance to win $400,000 at two events um, alone. That's
3: right. That is is correct. And uh, just to talk about earnings for a minute, uh, since we're kind of on that um, page here. 32 wide bruiser. Go ahead and throw it out there. The greatest bucking bull of all time, maybe greatest bucking bull there ever will be. Uh, The bull, being the classic world champion, being the reserve classic world champion as a three year old, all his winnings, what people forget, and this is one thing I want to promote to everybody as a whole in our industry to help educate the public on more. If you were to add, all the money Bruiser has won. Okay? And then you are to add all of the Bull of the Events at a built at a Unleash the Beast series, which I the, the Bull of the Event does get a bonus, correct, Kyle? Uh, at Unleash not, the Beast? I'm not sure. I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure, and I may be wrong. So people may get mad at me about that. If you were to count all the money Bruiser won at A B B I events, the money he's won for PBR Bull of the Year, the money he won for PRCA Bull of the Year, then you count whatever trailers or things he might have also won. You count his out money for every PBR short go. You count his out money for every PBR fifteen fifteen. You count his out money at rodeos. The bull has brought in an astronomical figure. I believe it would end up being over a million dollars. I can okay. say I can
0: say that that you're exactly right. I, I just looked the other day um, for for an article with with BSN uh bruiser just his lifetime earnings of competitions. that's that's not including his his pbr world champion bonus and all that other stuff you just mentioned he he's already at half a million uh pays okay. a hundred thousand to win the bull of the year uh he's and he's done that three times so right. so we're at eight hundred thousand already um and that's that's not his out
3: money is is bull of the event bonuses all that stuff that that you had mentioned right and and that's where i feel like we're dropping the ball as a as a whole and i need to do better personally everybody needs to do better uh just like our rodeo guys you know i'm i'm a fan of the stock contractor i'm a fan of the rodeo guy i hope i can be a rodeo guy someday if somebody'd ever ever let me be be a part of it you know and, and <laughs> be be able to do that i'd i'd be more than i'd be all about it but we're this is coming to promote the breed, okay? Let's just say a bucking bull that's been on the road since he's a three year old and he's a nine year old. He's been on the road, whatever. I think of it, would add up to be seven seasons, if I'm right. No, it's six years, but potentially seven seasons. If he has 30 outs a year at, let's just say, 100, 150 and out, let's just say 100 and out at seven years at 30 outs, well, that's uh, $21,000 went to the NFR three times, that's another ten grand per trip. So just a bucking bull himself that would have a potential seven year career, which is a long career, and three trips to the NFR would have well over fifty thousand in out money earnings. Nobody's Mm -hmm. ever promoted this. And it blows my mind. Certain breeding programs for example, James and Sammy Andrews, I think, have one of the greatest programs in the country, and I know you do as well. Uh, if you added up the ranch-raised bulls that come off the Andrews Ranch, if you added up their out money, making them a living going down the road, and you added up their money from the NFR, what are some of those bulls' and cows' offsprings' lifetime earnings?
0: Oh, it's, it's, it's unreal.
3: And it's never been touched. And I mean, i was kind of letting the cat out of the bag. But if we promote this as a whole, how does how do different people's breeding programs look then? Oh, Is yeah. that kind of an eye opener to you? Have you ever thought about yeah, that? Before? No, no. And I was going
0: to say that that's that's. I mean, we all know that that you you, you know these bulls on, on a professional level get paid out money. Um, but but when you look at it that way, uh, it's it's crazy to think what what cows are what cows would be worth what we could promote as a whole of what not competition
3: aside those bulls are earning that's right there's a lot more to life other than them two years with that dummy exactly you know and i hear a lot of people say oh well she just produced a rodeo bull well let me tell you something that rodeo bull is making somebody a living well that's and that's a good you know you saying that kind of rings a bell to me um we'll kind
0: of talk about myself here a minute um I done some. I did some trading with with high low pro rodeo Dustin Murray, and he sent me a video of of a bull uh, that that I raised that I traded to him, and and he was a high mark bull of the round at Cheyenne, um, threw off Corey Meyer, a top thirty guy, multiple multiple years in the PRCA, and I was I was excited about that, and and I sent the video to one of my friends, and and I was like, hey, I know he's not maybe a, a, a short rounder, but he's a, for a three year old. To do that you know i I was excited and his response to me was there's so much more to this industry than than what we see every day and it kind of made me think because as you're saying i got excited about my quote rodeo bull but but then again we're going to these events every week and and we kind of get into a a tunnel vision of that but but you're exactly right someone is making high lows making a living with that bull and and there's so much more than those couple of years uh, with a dummy or the competition system. Can I guess
3: who told you that? Mm, yeah, you can probably guess Shane Dunham. Nope.
0: no, nope. but no, nope. Court Richards told me that. But Port yeah, Richards. Richards. there you Shane. go. Shane, that's a, do, that's the guy who thinks outside the box. Yeah, Shane and I do talk a lot, and and he always calls it Shaneism. Um, but but he has he has a lot of good a good points, and, and Shane's Seen every aspect of the game uh, through his fighting bull career, working for Diamond S, and, and now being on his own. Um, but but there is there there is so much more. When you, again back yeah. to what you said with the the out money earnings, the the NFR earnings, PBR finals earnings, uh, high mark
3: bull earnings, whatever the case may be.
0: That, We're there dropping is so, the ball exactly as a whole.
3: Let me I, while well, I got this in my mind, I want to go on with this, uh, and it's it's on the same scale. Uh, Gene Baker. Known Gene my whole life. Been good as gold to me. Spent a lot of time with Gene. Three-time American Heritage Champ. Ain't nobody done that except the pages. And there ain't nobody done what the pages have done. And there ain't nobody ever going to do what the pages have done. And y'all don't quote me on that.
1: (laughs) Because they're
3: that dominant. And uh, fortunate, I am fortunate enough to do a lot of business with them and be partners with them and, and be great friends with the whole family as well. But Gene Baker and me were talking today, and I will get kind of ticked off about certain things because I have enough passion about it to where I get offensive about certain things. uh, Exactly. And Gene, you know, Gene had Lightning Jack, which was the gold standard for charity champion, which would have been like winning the heritage back then. Then he had three American heritage champions, and that's a pretty big statement. Me and Gene were just visiting today, talking things over, and he said, you know, Shaw, is there something I'm missing? you know, kind of as a whole, because, you know, right now's not the hottest the market's ever been, and there's some fluctuation and different things. And and he was talking about a year and he said, you know, he's a 85-pointer, but he's a nice calf. And I said, and which everybody will make fun of me for this. My best buddies will make fun of me for this. Laramie Wilson will definitely make fun of me for this. A bull that is a 85-pointer every time, is a very very I'm not going to say a great bull, but he is a very, very good bull because let me tell you something Kyle if that bulls eighty five points in Douglas, Texas, and he's eighty five points in Buckeye, Arizona, and he's eighty five points in Puyallup, Washington, and he's eighty five points in Grand Rapids, Michigan, a lot of them can't do that oh yeah and and that's what people miss that buck him with a dummy and go to a few futurities and get on Facebook and open that mouth. And I mean I'm as mouth. Mal- I I try to not be as mouthy, but I mean I state my opinion because like I say I'm passionate about the game. There's so much more like and that's like Court said, there's there's so much more to this business that's where we lack on the breed. And eighty five pointer is not a cellborn bull. And eighty six pointer is not a cellborn bull. A lot of people say, Well, he's just a cellborn bull. I'll give you fifteen hundred for him. Well, let me tell you what. There's a place for him somewhere, and he's going to get used. Uh, 85, 86-point bull is a good bull if he's 85 or 86 every time. I'm not talking about bucking him 30 times and putting three trips on Facebook and peddling him off for $1,500. i am talking about 85-pointer 30 out of 30, and he might uh-huh. fall once or might hit his head once, but there's a lot of integrity that's getting lacked on in this business, and I'm as guilty of it as other people. uh but Gerald Buck told me something that's that's going to stick with me till the day I die. He said, "You tell the truth to the best of your knowledge." And he said that's all you can do cuz sometimes we miss 'em. And if I miss 'em, by gosh, I'm sorry. I really am. And I try to I try to uphold myself and be as honest and truthful as I can, but I miss it sometimes. You know, and and that's just kind of how it goes. But uh Don't buck don't put 30 outs on the sucker. And show three videos of him on his best outs, and then ruin somebody else's day. You mm-hmm. know, let, let's have a little bit of integrity as a whole. Well, for the for as to what of, we're doing,
0: for sake, the sake of this episode, um, somebody gets in that that, that that's their first bucking and bull, and and now they're they're ruined and and got burnt, and and they they don't want to be involved anymore.
3: And and I'm not mad at people. I don't I don't get aggravated at people. If if it's an honest mistake, hey, and I ain't trying to preach to everybody on here, but if it's an honest mistake, we make mistakes. We're human, but you know, just portray your animals to be what they are, so we don't get a name like we're bull traders, like there's horse traders, you know,
1: uh,
3: and and some people are just gonna miss them, and if they miss, and some people think more of their cattle than others, but um, that's just something I can say, you know. That's what kind of I think has shot the value of eighty six point bulls, is because somebody'll buck one thirty times, show three videos of him. Well, those three videos, he's eighty six pointer, and the rest of the time he's a runoff. Well, I may have a bull that's I buck thirty times, that's eighty six pointer every time, and I can't get twenty five hundred dollars for him,
1: you mm-hmm. know.
3: But uh, he'll grow up to be a, a team a PBR velocity team bull, or a rodeo bull, or potentially be a built for tough bull there's a lot of avenues for him. I just feel like some people give up on their calves too quick uh, by saying he's just a bull. Well, that just a bull's got a job somewhere. He just got to find it.
0: Exactly. So kind of kind of nearing the end here, Shaw, is there anything that you feel – I mean, I, I think we could talk for, for multiple hours to try to, to educate and inform people, but um, anything that, that you think we're lacking um, before
3: – we we have to go ahead and end this. Yeah, I'm going to go with one more thing, and then and then I mean we can do it again if we need to, but I'll I'll wrap up with this. Uh, every aspect in life, from just going to grade school to high school to college, you're trying to teach and learn. You're tra- you know there's a teacher and there's a student trying to learn you know uh there's a baseball coach and then there's the kids that want to grow up and learn the game. Yeah, there's there's bull riding schools, there's calf roping schools, barrel racing clinics, there's everything until you get in the buck and bull business and then everybody zips their mouth shut, and throws and locks it and throws away the key. Yeah. And in order to prolong our business, we have to educate our competition. If yeah. we don't educate our competition, we're running our competition away. Yeah. And me me and Cord McCoy talked about this last year, and Cord actually did a little seminar and stuff at his ranch. And that's something I would like to see at the ABBI finals. I would like to see the ABBI put on seminars to educate the people on judging, educate the people on nutrition, educate the people on how much to buck them, when not to buck them, educate them on soundness, There's so many things to being successful in this business that nobody realizes, and I think that we do need to initiate and put on clinics or seminars to inform the people. And I can learn from you. You can learn from me. We can learn from HD. We can learn from Laramie. We can learn from Stu. We can learn from Dennis Davis. We can learn from Dennis Owens. We can learn from whoever there's a lot of things that are some people's strong points and some people's weak points. Mm-hmm. And as a whole, I feel like we need to get together maybe at the finals and we need to put on some seminars and clinics to educate the new breeder and and even the youth and, and junior faturity kids, you know. I mean that I mean I there was no junior faturity or youth maturity when I was growing up. I took my first bulls to Vegas in O four when I was fourteen years old. That was that was they were my that was what I did. I bucked bulls. I bucked bulls and hunt and fished and that's what I done. And uh there was no youth class. We went in the open. You know, we went there was only one fraternity, and that's what we went in. But uh, every, you know, and people have helped me a lot over the years. I've learned a lot from a lot of people. It's been a lot self taught. But uh, I would be more than willing to give back to help educate people. And that's one thing that you're doing. You are educating the people. And I commend you and Thor for that. You all are doing a great job. I would like to see more. I would like to see hands-on, true uh, I will bucking say, bull schools. It, 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 it opened my
0: eyes a little bit. Uh, I, talked to, I actually talked to Bob Tallman and, and did, a, did a big article on, on his vision and, and how he started the Rodeo Stock Registry. Anyways, Going along with what you're saying, he he FaceTimed me to, and uh, it was kind of a little bit different. I uh, do handle and manage these cattle. Yep. and and th- that that made a lot of sense. Going with what you're saying, right now is is no, there's nothing wrong with with being new to this industry and and not being as knowledgeable as others. But we've got to have an outlet to to educate these people of exactly what you're saying. And
3: and when Bob told me that, I got to thinking. That's an excellent point. Why don't we do that now?
0: Yeah.
3: Now now is a better time than ever, with mm-hmm. the with the social media and everything at our fingertips. Man, we can educate people more. And I should do more. I should do more myself on helping to educate people. Uh, I just I just don't. And and I, and I should. And I guess I kind of. Me still being somewhat young, I would consider myself young, you know, one of still younger compared to the average age of people that are that are in our industry, uh, as is yourself. But, um, I'd be more than glad to share my know everything I know with everybody. And, uh, everybody said you'll give away what you know. Well, you know, somebody, people that are getting in, they may not. Uh, pursue it the same way I pursue it so I can tell them everything I know and I still may come out on top but then there may be they, days when they come out on top too but uh, I, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is I mean we can be in It's it, book it's pretty, you know pretty plain and simple though um, like you said when
0: you started this this point is there's there's clinics of, of every aspect of of any other industry sports rodeo whatever
1: because I don't care it, if it's
0: if stock on Wall Street. If if there there's books on that. If there's That's right. if there's people not learning to do that, it will it will one day not be in existence. And and if there's not people learning how to handle these cattle, the soundness, nutrition, feeding, bucking, uh, before too long when, when we're all gone, I mean, if people aren't uh educated enough to carry it on and, and again want to come in and grow the industry not going to grow
3: that's right and uh we need to grow our youth program it's a big deal that's something we can all work on in the future but uh you go to high school and youth rodeos and you look at them rigs the grandma and grandpa are strutting around for them grandkids guy might ought to put his thinking cap on
0: <laughs> you know well hayden i think we we've we've had a really really good conversation i appreciate you coming on and talking um, and I, I do just want to close my part out with this. And, and if anybody that's listening to this is, is maybe not even interested in, in buying a buck and bull, but just wants to, to learn about our industry, look, look me up with Stock news, look up Hayden Shaw, look up anybody you can find in the bull business and, and we can, they can lead you in the right direction. And, and if not answer your questions, uh, as you said, ooh, everyone is willing to talk. Um and, and and help educate people on what we're doing. So again, just reach out to somebody and and ask questions.
3: Don't be afraid to ask a question. Learn, figure out what what our game is about. Yeah, and I'll this might be my last thing. I I never meet anyone. I travel all over the country between the bucking business and uh and kind of my hunting adventures. I never meet anybody that is not intrigued by what I do far as bucking bulls and the rodeo cattle industry everyone i ask everyone i talk to that's in the bull business agrees with me on the same thing we never meet anybody that's not intrigued by what by what we do and just the sense of that we should be skyrocketing by leaps and bounds and uh, hopefully we will here before long hopefully we take off there can be bucking bull fans that aren't in the buck and bull business. There's racehorse fans, you know, uh, I followed wild sheep foundation on Facebook and Instagram and all that. I'm mesmerized by, by, and I don't even hunt them. I don't, I don't hunt any mammals. Uh, the desert bighorn and the Rocky mountain bighorn, the sheep, those desert bighorns, they just mesmerize me. I'm, I'm amazed with them. And I meet people that are the same way about the American bucking bull. And, uh, you know, so you can be a fan, you can be a fan, and not even have to own one, or not even have to be involved, it, it is an amazing thing, the way they grow up, and what they do, and their lifespan, and their life cycle, uh, you can make a movie about Bruiser, you know, so, yeah. uh, don't be afraid to get involved, just from a fan, uh, standpoint. Yeah,
0: exactly, a fan standpoint, well, Shaw, I, I appreciate you coming, coming on, and talking with us, and, and it was a great conversation, and, uh, I'd say you're going to be in Decatur. We're going to see you in a
3: couple weeks. I'll be there. Awesome. Well, We'll see you there. Thanks, sir. You'll have a good one.